0: Welcome to the top-rated and award-nominated grad school femtoring podcast, the place for first-gen BIPOCs to learn about all things grad school, personal development, and sustainable productivity. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez-Vu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to successfully navigate grad school and beyond. For over 13 years, I've been empowering first-gen students of color along their academic and professional journeys, and I'm really excited to support you too. Hi, everyone. Before we get to today's show, I have a couple of quick announcements. Now, first off, I want to say that I'm really excited about today's episode. I am back to having my guest episodes. I know I had a couple of solo episodes. It's been a rough couple of weeks for a lot of us. I just needed to keep it easy and release my solo episodes, but I'm back with my guests and today's guest is nothing short of an amazing human being. I'm so excited to have him. His name is Michael A. Hunt. He, um, well, he has many, many roles. I'll share more about his bio as we get to the episode. But I first learned about his work through the McNair program. So when I was directing the McNair program at UC Santa Barbara, I heard about Michael and him directing the McNair program at UMBC at University of Maryland Baltimore County and I heard really really amazing things about the program there and that's how I learned about his framework of holistic critical mentoring and so of course I had to have him on the show so you'll hear more all about him and about this framework you'll learn so much very very soon. The other announcement I wanted to make is that I'm still accepting speaking engagements for this year. It's been a wild ride. I've had a couple of back-to-back speaking engagements last month at UC Santa Barbara, this month at Princeton University, and then I know I have another speaking engagement coming up next month for the Embrace Change Leadership Academy, which is an academy for women of color professionals, and I'm going to be talking to them all about time management. Now, if you don't know much about my speaking engagements, you should know that I do have signature talks. I cover a lot of different topics, and I'm always willing to cater my talks to your entity, depending on your needs, uh, so long as they fall under the categories of what I specialize in, which is teaching about the hidden curriculum of grad school and also teaching about personal development and sustainable productivity. But I do have signature talks. And so if you're curious and interested in hiring me for giving any one of my signature workshops, these are the three that I typically cover. I cover the topics of the hidden curriculum of grad school admissions, everything you need to know before applying to grad school, I cover the topic of sustainable productivity so that you can learn strategies for personal and professional success. And then I also have a third signature talk on how to get unstuck. It's all about lifestyle design, growth mindset, and redefining success. This is all based on the work that I've been doing the last couple of years and noticing trends and the things that a lot of people want to learn more about that I know I have the expertise and can guide them through. So those are some of my workshop topics. I have many, many other topics that I cover. Um, So you let me know if you're interested and I'm happy to get on a call with you so that I can learn more about how to serve you and your audience's needs. So that's that. The third and last announcement I want to make is actually something I'm really excited about. And it's really, really funny because I just found out about it online. I didn't even hear about this from the press. And so as you probably are realizing, this is a book-related announcement. I have a book coming out next year. It's called, Is Grad School for Me? Demystifying the Application Process for First Gen BIPOC Students. I have co-authored it with Dr. Miroslava Chavez Garcia, and it comes out in March, but I have a Google alert so that anytime something comes up with my name on it, I get an an alert online of like, okay, there's this new website that has my name on it. What are they saying about me? If you don't have a Google alert set up with your name, you might want to do that. So I got an email notification about a Google alert and the Google alert had the book on it. And funny enough, it was a notification from Target.com. I'm like, what is up? How is my name in Target? <laughs> I'm always all up in Target. I've never seen my name anywhere. <laughs> and I clicked on it and it was the pre-order link for the book at Target.com. So then I did a little bit more searching and digging. And I realized, oh, wow, six months out and my book is actually available for pre- pre-order. It's not just available on target.com. it's also available on Barnes & Noble, on Amazon, and other um, places that sell books. So just a heads up, in case you want to be one of the first to purchase the book, it's available for pa- in paperback and in hardcover form. Check it out. We are actually going to have a freebie. We're going to offer something to anybody who buys the book early. We have yet to finalize the freebie but once we know what we're going to be offering to the public as a thank you for buying it early we'll let you know so get on my email newsletter and I'll keep y'all posted even if you buy it early um, after the fact you can still contact me and I'll give you the freebie once we have it available so heads up I know it's it's kind of early it's six months out but if you know for sure you're going to want it and you want to the first you know to get it then go ahead and order it at this time and you'll get it um, in march of next year so yeah for the early birds please know my book is out for pre-order super duper excited i'll be reminding y'all as we get closer to the publication date so three months out two months out one month out I'm going to be a broken record. Why? Because I want everybody and their mama to know about the book and to get their hands on a copy and to get their libraries to order. You name it, everybody should be able to access it. So those are my announcements. Now enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Michael A. Hunt. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today we have an episode on holistic critical mentorship. I'm super excited about this topic because I think that I believe in this and have been practicing this without realizing there was a name for it. So we're going to be talking about how to re-examine the way that we mentor, and our special guest is Michael A. Hunt. He is a native of Baltimore, has served as a university and college administrator, middle and high school math instructor, musical vocalist, and social justice educator shaping the lives of today's leaders. Michael's work for the past 20 years focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion within institutional structures by encouraging radical inclusion through social justice engagement and holistic partnerships. His personal research bridges spirituality and STEM education by providing culturally nuanced resources for increasing self-esteem and promoting holistic critical mentoring. He embraces the quote um, that, if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. Welcome to the podcast, Michael.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here with you today.
0: Of course, of course, I'm excited to have you uh, here with us so for folks that may be new to your work I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, I'm familiar with your work because of McNair but I'm sure yeah. you have so many other aspects of your life and the work <laughs> that you do so that, tell us a little bit about that and also yeah. whatever you're comfortable sharing about your background, your backstory, how how you became who you are today.
1: yeah. Um, I actually like to start there um, because I think um, um, especially as you read the the piece in the bio about if I can help somebody um, as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. I am who I am because of the people who helped me along the way. Um, And so I give honor to the ancestors,
2: to those who
1: have come before us, um, to those who show that I stand um, because I, uh, this work is actually, my work around mentorship is really, a a um a testament um to the belief that um we are not in this alone. And so um I grew up in Baltimore um, and I always love to come back to that storyline
2: of Baltimore because
1: um I, I it, it, it reminds me that no matter where you're from and no matter what um your circumstances are, um when you're surrounded by greatness and goodness and people who care for you, um you can really Grew up in a, a single mom home, uh, where my mom really—I uh, I, I will say she girded me around a community, um, and so she couldn't do it by herself, and she recognized it. And so um, I, it was—it was community. Whether it was the educational system, I was very involved in education in Baltimore, as well as like my church community here in Baltimore, um, and um, and even in my church community they were very, it was a a lower slash middle-class black church community, a large community. It was like um, two to 5,000 people attended that church over the time, Um, and um, but they really emphasized education, 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 education. education. Um, And um, it was from that that I I really realized that um, I love to sing, I love to act, I can do, a whole lot of different things but it's that education that will provide the resources for future generations even before uh, be, beyond my um, um, death or what have you and so um, I, I took a hold of that and so I, I went to UMBC for my undergrad which is here in Baltimore so it wasn't going far um, but um, at some point during my time I actually I was look I was computer engineering during that time i was looking at doing computer engineering um and then i really felt a call into my life that i wanted to do more than sit in the lab um and um i was in a scholars program and one of my mentors who was the president of our institution uh when i made that decision to um, go into seminary and go to grad school in theology um you know he would he would tell folks you know this is the one i lost to god Right, um, and so it was. You know, it was a cheeky, uh, a funny day, but it was this sense of you know, um, I had I, I shifted sort of where my life goal was, or where where my ministry would be. Um, and so I went to seminary thinking I was going to be a pastor, thinking that that's where I wanted to go. And I um did ministry for some time, but then I was like, uh, and even in grad school, I was like, nah. I'm over these church folks, and so I really wanted to work with college students. And I really appreciated my journey, and and uh, um, when I was in undergrad, my journey in uh, finding myself, finding my voice, but having people who um, were again mentors mm-hmm. or supervisors, folks who um, allowed me to grow and challenge me and help me to think differently, and all. And I was like, man, I want to be that for others, right? That's what I longed for. And so I got involved in um, student affairs type things. And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I eventually made my route into student affairs, into religious life, um, as well as um, uh, residential life. So I spent a few years in, after grad school in Atlanta at Emory University, I made my way to, to um, uh, the cornfields of Iowa. Um, it? and and yes it, and I say it like that because it, it, it was a journey um I spent three years there and part of my time there um you know I was really for the most part I was the one of two black men working for the campus that were under the age of 40 right it, it was it was like when you saw me you knew I worked for the college in that town Right. Like we weren't just strolling around or oh, I was a student.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: so um, being there, it was it was great. I learned a lot. I grew a lot. Um, and I was looking to to move on um, because they told me that there weren't any space for growth
2: yeah. as
1: far as in the role. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started looking elsewhere. Well, come to find out they made space for a white man. Um, in my department to be the assistant director. Um, But they say they did it because we were all, the rest of us were searching for elsewhere and it just makes sense. And I I thought about staying because I'm the rouser robber, whatever you call it. Like I I, I caused trouble. And I I, I was thinking about staying. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, if if I stay, (laughs) how are you going to justify this, you know? Um, um, But my mom got ill and um, something said, Michael, just get go go, it's your, your time, three years is it, Just, just wipe the, the um, sand off your feet, the dust mm-hmm. off your feet and keep moving. And so um, I did that and came back to Baltimore. Um, and during that time, make a long story short, it was um, back in Baltimore, I was able to make some connection where I um, realized that I had a heart for young people and, and youth in college that, that really was important. And so I ended up being a math teacher in Baltimore City for some time. And then the Upward Bound program is what got me back into TRIO. Oh. Um, and so um, I didn't say, I w- I'm actually a TRIO alum, so I'm a McNair alum
2: mm. um, as-, as well.
1: Mm. So I was a McMare scholar when I was in undergrad. Um, but then um, when I came back to Baltimore, I got involved with as a math instructor for, upper bound Mm -hmm. and then eventually um the assistant director from McNair ended up leaving and the director then of McNair was like they need she needed some help and I was already Mm -hmm. on payroll oh no even before that I became the GRE math specialist and then the director ended up leaving for um for another role and so um that's when I stepped in and and began and became the interim assistant director and it was Mm -hmm. in that time frame that I recognized, um, and as I began my deep work of now, I'm no longer a student, right? I'm Mm -hmm. I'm now, oh, and I didn't say this, I'm actually the director, or at that time I was the assistant director or interim assistant director of the McNair program that I was once a part of.
2: Yeah,
1: full circle. Um, (laughs) It's full circle, right? And so I'm no longer a student, I'm on campus, Having this kind of um, experience, so now I'm I'm staff, right? I'm, you know, I'm the I, I'm the administrator. I was mm-hmm. always even on campus. I was the one fighting against the administration on injustices <laughs> and things. And now I am. Yeah. And, right? and so I started like figuring, trying to figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then over a course of time, I had I hit a hit a wall with my scholars, where um I would I tell folks it was a um. I had a who who sort of ro- rose up against me in the program uh, mm-hmm. within my first year of of McNair. They wrote a 25 page manifesto against me. Was sent it to the president, the dean, and what? all. It it was it was it was craziness. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, one of the blessings in doing that process was twofold. One, the director of McNair at that point. Again, I'm only the interim slash assistant director. Mm-hmm. Um, the, when I first came in, I knew as a black man on a white campus, because UMBC is still a predominantly white institution, mm-hmm. no matter how many times we applied for a- a- HSI or MSI or whatever, we still, our processes are still white centered, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew as a black man, I needed to protect myself. Yeah. And so from day one, I kept my boss in the loop of every single decision, everything that I did, et cetera, the boss, boss knew. So when this came about, she was able to handle a lot of it. So it didn't hit me in the same way. Um, and she was able to both defend it and also make make sure our administrators knew that a lot of the things was taken out of context, wasn't, mm. um, wasn't true or exaggerated in some kind of way. And so having her support was phenomenal during that time. Um, but it did cause me um, over the time to really think about how I am being perceived by the students who I'm seeking to serve, right? Mm. And if I even if one had risen up, what what is that saying about you michael? what is what is it about yourself, what you're doing? And so um, at the we had a meeting with the president who Dr. Ravowski, was one of my mentors. And I remember um, as we were leaving at the end of the meeting and things and, you know, the students, it, it didn't end up the way they wanted. They wanted me fired. And the university was like, no, that's not happening. Like, this is what's going to happen. Um, and I went back to his office a little later after that meeting just to say thank you for the time and, you know, um, and, and, and taking be, being a leader for us. Right. In this moment. And he said, Michael, um, one, one the statement he said to me that really pushed this whole list of critical mentoring for me and started my process of of developing this, this framework. Um, he said, Michael, if you want to be in um in in higher ed or you wanna continue this kind of work, you have to listen and you have to listen deeply. Mm. And I'll be honest, even when he said it, I wasn't trying to hear it because I'm, I'm sick of all them students, you know, like, I'm like, y'all just took me through hell and you want, you took, they took me through hell and you want me to listen, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, what does, what, what what do you say? Are you listening to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but time went by and COVID hit, COVID had come and I needed to figure out, um, Honestly, I, I was having a change in my research and I was trying to figure out what do I need to research and what do I, I wanna write about and mm-hmm. spend some time doing. And um, I thought about mentorship. And when, and I said, cause that's what I do in McNair, that's my life. I I can name all, as I've started, I can name up a, a lot of people who have been mentors for me over, over the years. Um, and as I started thinking about it, that story of Dr. Rabowski, this thing of listening, and I just took a few weeks of just listening for and internally mm. and really thinking about it and writing it out and thinking mm. through this work. And what I realized was that my students were hurting during that time, because now it's a few years later, right? Mm. They were hurting because I was also mentoring in the way that my mentors had mentored me, which I also personally found toxic.
0: Ooh, can you say more about that
1: right so so i call it the the parent syndrome the parenting syndrome mm-hmm. where we say we're not going to be like our parents when we grow up but then we have children and we start having those same kind of mannerisms right we we, we do the same type of things right that our parents and maybe not everything will yeah. some stuff right um but this idea of how we're parenting is the same way with mentoring right i i I thought I was doing right by my students, right? Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm protecting them. I'm building them up. I'm giving them the resources. I'm, I'm trying to socialize them into this um, uh, graduate school experience. When in fact they needed to know that they were loved, mm. right? They needed to know that I actually cared for them beyond them turning an assignment or showing up on time or showing up late, right? They have yes. family drama that they are navigating. And they can't just leave that at the door
2: yeah. for
1: them to pick it up when they come to our space. Actually, when they sit with me, that all of that is with me.
2: Mm-hmm. But for
1: me at that moment, I, that's not how my mentors taught me, right? That's not how, because they too were only taught by what they knew,
2: yeah.
1: right? So I never I never use this as a way to, but like, I don't like that framework where they try to say, um, you know, uh, we aren't our, our ancestors. I don't know if you've heard that saying. And I, I it's the sense of like, I honor those folks yeah. because to some degree, some of what they had to journey was what they knew, what they were protected mm-hmm. by, um, and what they were trying to create. Um, and that doesn't, even though um, it may not serve us in the same way today, um, I have to put into remembrance that this is what they knew.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, and that that was a hard lesson for me, too, because I felt my, quite a few of my mentors didn't do me right. I felt like even when I was in grad school and needed the support of my religious leaders' mentors they weren't they didn't provide it in the way that I needed it now, if I needed money to finish my schooling, they did that they were on mm-hmm. top i and I never wanted financially in essence, but that spiritual connection that that um personal connection it wasn't there and I had another mentor who told me that Michael, they gave you what they could mhm Right, and so all of that comes back when I'm sitting there thinking about my mentoring and what happened during that time and what was the issues there. It was like, Michael, you literally were doing what you were wanting other people not to do to you, mm. right? And so I had to sit back and, and really sit in that and I started thinking about what this model, what would mentoring look like if it really provided a space for equity, for support, um, what it, break down those walls? I just had a whole lot. I talk a lot, and so I'm gonna pause. I know you probably got some questions. So, but I hope that was a great, at least framing.
0: Yeah, I could keep listening to you all day. Wow, I had no idea about the context behind how you arrived at this mentoring framework and the level of self-awareness it takes to be able to take that accountability of realizing, wow, I'm doing what other people did to me that was taught to me that was not helpful for me, that was toxic for me, and then to to sit back and, and, and try to think of other ways of doing it without put, you know, without faulting anyone, without faulting yourself, just saying, you know, it is what it is, but now I'm going to sit and listen and do some research. And yeah, I want to hear you talk about this framework. I want to hear you talk about what is holistic critical mentorship. You, yeah. And, and, um, how does it differ from this? these other forms of mentorship? I know you mentioned like that the way you were mentoring before was different. Uh, so maybe you can tell us, yeah, how, what is holistic critical mentorship and and yeah, how is it different from, even I would say the dominant forms of mentorship that we see okay. in higher education. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and so when we think of the traditional form of mentoring, it is this top-down approach. It's, it's typically, you know, you have someone, a senior seniority, Person and whatever that is um, paired with an individual, you know, who's not as senior, um, and they, you know, the 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 mentee is um, really uh, the mentor is pouring into the mentee, yeah, in essence. sense, um, and it really becomes this, this this model of of sharing, but it sometimes becomes one directional, unidirectional in the mm-hmm. sharing um, and sometimes it also um, becomes uh, the sense of um, yeah I think sometimes it because it's one directional uh, the 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 it's the mentee who is saying what they need right as well where it's not necessarily the mentor isn't saying what they need from the relationship too. Right. And so it's like the mentees needs are in essence being met, maybe not the mentors. Mm. Right. Um, And that's another thing where I think about reciprocity. Yes. And so um, that was an important part of the model um, as we've been thinking of it. And so um, the definition, I'll just share with you the definition of holistic critical mentoring um, is a network of inclusive reciprocal relationships between mentee and mentors that centers the voices of and values the whole being of the mentee, right? ACM, um, and you'll hear me call it that ACM, mm-hmm. is an ongoing process of learning from the mentees and mentors' collective lived experiences while challenging and disrupting white supremacy um, and racism exhibited within the white normative interpretations of professionalism. And let me first, let mm-hmm. me just talk about the first part first. Um, where it's inclusive reciprocal relationship right um and that was important to me that um that it it is this give and take we're having commerce it's a dance that we're dancing and neither one of us are leading in essence or one is leading on this beat and the other is leading on the other right Mm. and it really is us really connecting um it's about making the connections there but then um i think one of the Um, The next part of that talks about centering the voices of um, and valuing the mentee's whole being. And so, so often I think mentoring is set not necessarily to center their voices, it really is to tell them what their voice needs to be, right? It's it's the mentor saying, if you're going to be, if you want to be this, you have to do this, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: Because this is how we know it works. Um, and that's their experiences, and you know we give that to them. But that's not necessarily how it would work can work for this particular student in this age and time, mm-hmm. right? Um, things have changed in some ways. Uh, people have changed, and, and it's, it's all different. And so, really centering the student's voice, hearing them, letting them have conversations, and evaluating who they are, right? And so, this is where community, culture, wealth for me enters yes. into the conversation. Um, because it's multifaceted where the student is not just about um, the numbers, right? Um, But it's about each individual student, what they're actually bringing into it, um, which is multifaceted. Um, And then the other part of the definition talks about the ongoing process. And you alluded to this where you talked about the self-reflection that I had to do and really thinking. And that's what reminds me, I'm always learning. Mm
2: -hmm. And so even in
1: every mentoring relationship, um, every mentor relationship is different. How I mentor yeah. this person is going to be different than how I mentor that person. Um, and we are always ongoing going because we're all changing. We are growing, and and for me, a big part of this, I think, this portion, I I, I connected this aspect to marriage. Um, mm. and having been recently, well, I can't say recently anymore because we're now in our seventh year of marriage. <laughs> um, but when I got married, I was going through this stuff. Like this was a lot happening. Yeah. And I was also in my marriage, I was learning about what it means to be married, right? So another mm-hmm. individual, right? And mm-hmm. learning what works for my wife and what doesn't. And we're still doing that dance, right? right. We're still trying to figure it out. And she's the different person than she was six years ago. So what yeah. I expected her six years ago isn't what I shouldn't be expecting the same, right? As we're growing and learning, right? And so I think about that in mentoring relationships as well. That everyone is growing and learning
2: Mm -hmm. um, from
1: each other um, and everyone's lived um, experiences right and here's the kicker. Of the definition that talks about um, can you still hear me.
0: yeah I can hear you.
1: Okay, because it just went off here. it is going to. That was
0: that was yeah you were saying that that here's the kicker and you're going to go into the definition.
1: Yes Okay, there we go, Um, and so. The, the, the second part of that definition is the kicker where it talks about um, challenging and disrupting white supremacy and racism yes. that's exhibited within white normative interpretations of professionalism.
2: Oh, um, I have yes. an
1: article that um, I, we wrote, me and a colleague, a, a, a paper that talked about how we do this in McNair. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it was going to be an article in a book chapter on first generational college students. Um, the editors, uh, we had worked on it for two years, um, and the editors then came to us during the final round of edits to say that the publisher, or they were worried about our definition and wanted us to change the definition of holistic mentoring, particularly this ending part, because wow. of its connection to challenging white supremacy and racism, Right um and that book was public like we ended up saying nope we're not changing it y'all can go ahead and you know print whatever the book is out what have you my article is not in it it's cool um well I won't say it's cool but it is what it is
0: (laughs) yeah I was gonna be like hold up hold up so uh, tell me that you published it elsewhere
1: well we're in so right now actually part of this is what I'm working on with my dissertation too so I'm trying to put my energy into writing out this stuff around my like I'm in my comprehensive exam writing time right Mm -hmm. now and so we do have it it's sitting on the shelf it's going on we it will get published I'm not stressed over it and that's why I did the article in uh, Inside Higher Ed Mm -hmm. right that helped to get it out there a little bit more yeah so for folks
0: who are not aware just FYI The article you're referring to is titled Be a Gate Opener, Not a Gatekeeper" uh, on Inside Higher Ed. We're going to link it in the show notes so that folks can check it out. So so I'm sorry I interrupted you. Keep going. Oh, no, no, no. That's
1: good. That's good. (laughs) And that that article sort of gives you a real life example of why this this, um, uh, framework matters. Right. And it requires us as institutions to rethink how we are doing. Um and what we're accepting. and so the model actually does that. that's what that's where I, I I think it's important is that even though the the and we when we talk about disrupting, in order to disrupt institutions have to be willing to make change,
2: yeah,
1: right. um, and one of my professors once said and reminded us that we have to keep in mind that institutions are made of people. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we, the people, have to be willing to make the change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no matter how hard it is, no matter what it might stick up and, and what we do, we have to be willing to do that. And that's what right. this model does. Um, and then I created some tenets around it because I was like, I, I don't want it just to be a definition. I want us to really think about how does this how can we make this thing work? Right. Hmm. And having a definition is all great and you can write it in articles and you can share the definitions like, oh wow, you know. But really, what's the work around it? And mm-hmm. the work is actually is taking the tenants and putting the tenets into practice. And so um, do you mind if I share the tenants? Of Real course, quick. go
2: ahead. Yeah. Okay.
1: So um there are eight tenets to holistic critical mentoring, and I'll I'll just name the eight here. Um, first we have to acknowledge that race, racism and white supremacy impacts mentees, mentors, programs, and institutions, right? And that, I think, if I, and as I'm writing and working on my um, dissertation work around it, I think I might end up making that a foundation of it and then have the seven tenets afterwards, because I think that that's the starting place. and we can recognize that and see it, not to say you got, there are changes that have to be made. But but I think for America at at least, it's about recognizing the impact. Yes. Some people ain't just trying to do that. And so I think that's the very the most important aspect of this is that. But then once you recognize it, you know they say like once you know once you once you see it, you gotta you you're held to it, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing, right? And that's I think honestly, that's why they don't wanna see it. Because, because once they, they know better, they must
0: do better, right? Must do better.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I, I challenge folks to actually see it first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next thing is that um, holistic critical mentoring, ACM centers the voices and experiences of the mentee. Um, it supports the um, holistic needs of the mentee, and that could be mental, physical, spiritual, financial, academic, career, Whatever, a whole bunch of it. The next is it requires reciprocity. And we talked about this a little earlier between the mentee and the mentor. And this includes accountability for all parties. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I stop here to say, you know, one of my pet peeves is when um, a mentee is charged to be on time and on task always, right? Show up on time. When you meet with the mentor, you got to show up have a pen and paper ready to go take the notes etc your that's their time your you know valuable time that the mentor is giving you right this is what we tell our students but the mentee mentor shows up 30 minutes late and it's okay right um the mentor has to reschedule with the student 3 or 4 times because of their schedule and they haven't prioritized this relationship Same. right and it's okay right we accept it and so that's my example of what reciprocity, when we talk about reciprocity, yeah. it really is about us all being committed to the yeah. relationship.
0: That's assuming then, the mentor oh, even shows up at all. Cause there's also this big thing about institutional neglect and mentors who are neglectful too. So I just, I just needed to yes. like add that in. Cause I'm like, no. that's assuming they yes. show up, but even, a lot of them up, are not showing right. up. <laughs>
1: Right. And, and showing yeah. up, even I'm thinking of even for me, showing up is responding to the email,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like that's
1: even the showing up part, right? It's not even just the physical showing up. It's, it's being present, being committed right. um, and into the relationship. Um, It invites the mentees and mentors to collectively bring their culture and lived experience to the mentoring relationship. And so yes. I find it's important, like when even when doing my staff meetings and doing time we share. My, my staff know what's going on with me. My students know what's going on with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I, if I need a mental health day, they know that he needs a mental health day. Mm-hmm. They know he sees a therapist. They know you yes. know what things are necessary. Um, they also um, so as they share, I share. We share together. And sometimes I have to be the um, yeah. the one to model that, yes. right? Um, so that they feel that comfortability and knowing. And that also means that has that has to be a trust built, right? There has mm-hmm. to be Commitment built there, and so students aren't going to freely share when you are not instituting holistic critical mentoring, mm. and your the way in which you navigate with the students, they're not going to give you themselves, right? They're gonna they're going to put a wall up
2: because mm-hmm. you have
1: not yourself given into it, and you haven't even recognized their holistic needs and right. other aspects of the, this as well. Um, And then the last three there, um, Challenges, the White Normative Interpretations of Professionalism. Um, That's a book in itself, right, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when we're talking about graduate school and how students show up, what they wear, what
2: Mm -hmm. they don't.
1: Um, One of the things I didn't say to you earlier, I was a pastor at a church here in Baltimore um, for some time. um, And my last time I was, um, I left the church because the chair, one one of the major reasons I left the church. Was because the chair that that the board walked out of my sermon because I was wearing my my hat. I was wearing a pingo hat, and because I was preaching from the pulpit and not wearing and wearing a hat, um um I got uh, reprimanded even by our senior pastor and mm-hmm. others about about sh- you know how I was showing up and engaging. Um and again this was a church for all people, but even still I couldn't be myself right because of what yeah. they saw right and and that was the sense. And even for me, I had to, it's not, what I recognize is what they were still holding, even though this was a black congregation, mm-hmm. they were still holding this white centered nature of professionalism. Right. Right. Um, and so that's what they would learn. That's what they were mm-hmm. taught. This is how they grew up. This is, again, it's, I've learned to not give fault to them, but I am saying, and, and my truth in this, is that these are spaces that we've created where our own cannot be ourselves, Yeah. right? Um, and so that's important. And then the the uh, next to the last one, creates a network of mentoring relationships to support the mentee. And mm. remember earlier, I told you about the mentor I talked to who uh, reminded me that my pastor leaders when I was in graduate school, that I felt neglected by them. Um, and that the mentor told me why they gave you what they could, and what I realized was I have never been, what's the word? I, I I I've never been without, if that makes sense, in the area of mentoring, because people have given me what they could or what they needed, and even though some mentors might have not have shown up in a way that I I thought I needed them, yeah. they gave what they could, and what if we start to think of this web of mentoring? Right, where this student, where even if you were my mentor and you knew that, oh, I can do this well, but you need to go to so-and-so for this, Mm
2: -hmm. right? How
1: are we connecting them to other people and not hoarding this sense of mentoring Mm
2: -hmm. as
1: well, right? And so that one, and then the last one is one of my favorites because it is. it took me some time to break through this imposter syndrome aspect of education. Thinking that I don't deserve it, or I don't know enough, or I, I, I'm trying to figure out if I actually can talk about this in in academic space. Well, when you have mentors who recognize that the mentee is a budding expert within their content area,
2: mm-hmm. then you
1: create mentees who can go forth and um and 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 really show who they are and believe in and trust what they have inside themselves. Very nice, right? And that's the part for me that. And I think was neglecting was neglected in some of my mentoring relationships. Um, and then there were some who did, some who would reach out to me immediately and I was like, Oh, you think I you think I'm good at this? You know, you think really? You know, and and they and and sure enough, um, I would provide them what they needed um mm-hmm. to do it. So those are the tenets of holistic critical mentors.
0: So This is super duper helpful. I feel like we have a really solid idea of what this framework is. I want to hear about the impact because you just told us this whole story about this coup with your students and you coming up with all of this with everything that happened. Now we know what it is. Do you have other stories of uh, you know kind of tying back to like putting this into practice yes. where that showcase this impact? Because I I I can only imagine I can only imagine, but you let us know because I, I, I feel like impact, this is huge.
1: I, and I'm gonna even provide I'm gonna provide you with another link. Okay. Um. Um. And it's a. It, it should be a. Um. I should be able to provide it to you um a LinkedIn post ah okay I'll put
0: these um, all in the show notes
1: yes and um the and I was just talking about and I really just made this connection yesterday when talking to a colleague um one of my and you're actually going to have um well the uh, so this is about Internet Newsome ah so, um,
0: I recently cool. interviewed her yeah. you recently
1: interviewed her so yeah. she, so it so if we start with Internet, um I, Antoinette is no longer with our program with McNair. She's gone mm-hmm. to bigger and greater things. And I'm so happy for her, both sad and happy because oh, she was yeah. a big part of our program for the last three years. Um, and when I was talking to a colleague yesterday about Antoinette, um, we were at a, a university picnic type thing. And um, they, the post that I'm about to share with you um they were commending me and saying, Michael, what an amazing send off you did for Anthony oh. um and I wrote this post it was very personal heartfelt, but made it you know it would be broadened out so that everyone can see that impact and um that the post really showed me that even in my um supervisoring role we've that when you do when you use HCM even in that mm. you build relationship you build community we utilize this model as we supervise as I supervise her as we supervised yeah. student staff etc we always came back to this um and it allowed me to see her flourish in such a way that not only is she growing and going to be phenomenal wherever she, like where she is now and where she is to go, Um, but I was also able to close this chapter Mm -hmm. in essence um, in a way that honored our relationship, honored holistic critical mentoring, honored her, honored the students, honored the community, right? Honored Mm -hmm. her own spirituality as well. And that to me is the picture of seeing it done well, mm-hmm. right um, even on a a supervisory level. yeah on a student level, it works because even yesterday, the same I was coming from an event and I see one of my students who is no longer in our program mm-hmm. right she's not she's not in the program anymore, but she um uh, and for her own reason, but um she like lit up when she saw me. Oh. right and she's like dr hunt dr hunt <laughs> you know and she was with a colleague and, and they were talking i was like all right girl look you need we need to find some time to meet you know let's talk mm-hmm. let's get together and uh whether we get together or not knowing that i made that impact on her utilizing these methods of mentoring and i used it like even supporting mm-hmm. her like this is what we we did um that's a testament um the other testament is and this probably look you got to read more about it in my dissertation. <laughs> um, and and but I think one of the greatest is the one who led the coup against me. Ended up in my last class in grad school, we were in class together,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we ended up reconciling and having meal together and talking ah. through aspects of what what was happening during that time for both of us right
0: power um
1: it is it is it is and so when you when you think about it like it, and even that i didn't seek mm-hmm. that out right he he actually um initiated that
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i think part of this is um when you start to put it into action you recognize that it is work
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it is work and you 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 sometimes wonder what the hell you got yourself into mm-hmm. 'Cause it's that much work. Because yeah. you recognize that this isn't just um pond or you know, checker pieces of stuff that we're moving. This is real life. Mm. This is people's lives that are impacted.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Um, and a deadline that I set for one student, I can't always there if you know that there's a student who's having challenges on something, you just be, you know they're not gonna meet that deadline. Right. So why are you why are you upset with them? Why? What are you mm-hmm. doing to go out from them? What is it? Can you get the information from them, right? And you submit the phone for them, like what? Mm-hmm. Like really, right? It re- but it requires work,
2: yeah,
1: right? It, it's not easy, and so internet. That, that's what we used to have a running joke on was like, um, uh, like Michael, why the hell you create this?
0: <laughs> like why,
1: why? Cause because now again, what you <laughs> said, what you said earlier. You said- um, Once
0: you know better, you do better.
1: Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly. So now that like, we got this, like we got to use it, right? We got to do it. I can't can't hide behind anything else anymore. And so um, my students have been great supporters of this model and they've been the ones to hold me accountable to it,
2: Mm.
1: right? Because that's the part that's important even in this work. is that that if you're doing this there's equal accountability and so our students will i've had them come even since like they it hasn't been a cool type thing but they have come to say hey this ain't working for the program this is an issue here you asked for this or how you said this i had one student who um brought it to the group that the way in which i responded to them about something was not appropriate was hurtful
2: Mm.
1: right and we had to take a moment and I, and I had to express my apology, and I also had to explain what my intent was, mm. right? But I also know that it was a great impact on it. Yeah. I, so I didn't want to minimize that. And so we took a moment. And this was in our large group meetings with our flowers. And so for them to feel that comfortability to do that, right, and for us to provide that space. On, I'm the I, I'm I'm the, I'm the director, right? I don't have to hoard that leadership title over them. In the beginning, I did. I felt like I did, mm-hmm. and that was the other thing. Like they, I made I made them all call me Mr. Hunt. I was all like, no, don't you don't use my first name. You, I am Mr. Hunt. But now I'm like, call me what you want. To call me. Mm-hmm. I I know who I am. You know who I am. You know the like. Yeah. What, let, what 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 we got? I don't, that's 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 low level stuff. I, yeah. I don't that doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. right? I want to know what 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 what's your goals? What are you trying to accomplish, and how can we get you to accomplish these goals together?
0: That's great. Wow, I you know I don't even feel like I need to ask you the next question because you just went into into it about how um how do you do this work? I I'm curious though for The folks who have been the mentees, the folks who have not had the most supportive mentors, what advice would you share for them? My my listeners, my audience are primarily 1st and BIPOC students, undergrad and grad students. And they're they're like desperately seeking this kind of mentorship. What advice would you give to them who could benefit from this type of mentorship? And it's kind of hard to find it
1: be the mentor you want to be. Mm. Right? That you the mentor that you want, you have to be it. Um that's the first lesson I learned, right? When when all that hell was going on with my students, I was realizing I was that I was replicating the system. And so each I would say most of the people you're you're on on this call are probably in some kind of mentoring relationship where they are also the mentor
0: right right Peer they might be the
1: prayer they might be the mentors. professor yeah. they might be the teacher um um they might be the the brother or sister the aunt or the uncle
2: mm-hmm. right
1: this, this doesn't matter this this goes beyond all of those titles
2: right
1: and so if you if you want to begin to model and remember i used the word i had to model
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and so i begin to model there's no um one thing actually I literally just wrote this the other day in my um um comp, my comp exam paper was that there people are wanting a um a a checklist to do to be a good holistic critical mentor, right? I do workshops on this and folks, you know, they're like, Oh, how do I do it? How do I do it? it it's self work,
0: yeah. right?
1: You gotta you gotta look at your own self, but I can't give you a checklist, right? You have to do your own self evaluation. Wouldn't it be right? nice? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be nice, right? Yeah, like there's no checklist for this, and that's yeah. what people are looking for, right? Yeah. They're looking for a checklist, and I'm like, no, no, the the, the way you got to start with yourself, right? Start with what what what's important to you. What are your values, mm. right? Um, you you you, and then I would say the other thing is, let's let's say as you're building, like, okay, you did the work where you started for yourself. You've already implemented it in, you know, your relationships. Uh, but what about my mentors, right? What about the mm-hmm. people who I am looking for? Well, once you start, uh, there's another saying I like is that um, you, you got to there's two you gotta, you got to teach people how to treat you, right?
2: Yeah. And
1: so in relationship mentor relationships, you might have to start it off with looking at even this model and what are these things that are important to you. And how are you sharing that with your mentors? So, to give you an example, we intentionally do it with our scholars. Um, we, we, our mentoring work, our um, our um, model of mentoring is centered around this holistic critical mentoring framework. So, mm-hmm. our students learn about this during orientation, they, they understand it, and they're required to have a conversation with their mentors about how this model will be implemented in their relationship.
0: Wow.
1: Right. Um, and so we intentionally force our students. Now, mm-hmm. you all grad students, you might not have that intentional, yeah. but you got these. You, you see, you you got the list. You you'll share with. But well, you, you know what,
0: you know what, yeah, um, you have this list. Uh, that cr- call is the holistic Critical Mentoring Framework PDF that right, we're going to put in the notes, so yes. folks can actually bring it and take it to their mentors if they want to right, implement right. it you in can, their
1: mentoring. And then you can, and then and then I didn't want to go so deep into. Each individual, because I think the conversation allows you to decide what does this mm. minute mean for us,
2: yeah.
1: right? Because I think it will be different for each each relationship. So I don't want to give you a checklist to say this is how you um, take care of the holistic needs of your student.
2: Mm-hmm. No,
1: that might be different for each person. And I can tell you the way in which I deal with holistic issues for my students have been different. Right. And I can't do it the same for each of them because they're different people, different personalities and all. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it just just doesn't make sense. However, I'm having this now. They can talk to their mentors and know that they are expecting their relationship to be from this holistic, critical mentoring framework. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would do it. I would introduce it to folks, um, these ideas around it and say, you know, this is what I'm looking for. But then also you gotta do like I had to learn is that every mentor is not for everything.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: keeping in mind that some mentors, you will only have mentors that will deal with the holistic needs where others will be the ones who help you be the expert in your field mm-hmm. and support you in that, that, that aspect. And so not everyone will meet all the tenants all the time, right? Um, The the work is, and the hard work that I talk about is that, like, we are, and I remind mentors of this too in our program, that we're not expecting you to be experts on each of these levels, but your awareness helps you to know when you are on it and when you're not, Mm -hmm. right? And I can honestly say there are days when I ain't on it. Mm And so my mentoring and how I, like, I don't got time to deal with your holistic needs today. Yeah. But then as a mentor, though, I know that I need to build their network,
2: mm-hmm. which is
1: another key thing. So I might not be on that one, but I can show them and send them to the people who can help them with that other area.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so, but you have to be aware. You have to be mm-hmm. self-aware. You got to be open to knowing. You got to be open to being wrong.
0: Right and owning right. up to
1: it too and owning up to yeah. it right exactly
0: wow we actually are going to be getting close to wrapping up but let me know if there's anything else you wanted to share I feel like you just share so many <laughs> gems so I, I the only thing I have left is is to ask you how folks can reach you how folks can support you and you and your work How how can they be in touch with you if they want yes. to hear more learn more
1: um, I'm also, I'm going to put this in the chat for you and um, and you can share this as well. My link tree um, right. has all the links to connect with me. Um, and I am active on um, LinkedIn. I think that's the most act, active that I am. Um, and so, but um, the link tree actually has the link to every, all the, the holistic critical mentoring, my research right. and all there. So I'm definitely open um, if people are looking to do trainings on this model and and willing to um, to work together on it. I I have done that as well. Um, I do um, individual consulting. I do. Um, I'm blessed to have some um, clients through, who are with some diff- different scholar programs and trying to um, implement this um, framework in their programs or in their institutions. Um, so I'm definitely open. Um. I. But you know the most important thing to me is if you're gonna reach out, um, I'm not looking for folks, again, who are just trying to check off something because the institution requires this kind of training or diversity training or, well, you know, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I'm really looking for folks who are looking to impact um, right. and really make those necessary changes um, and are committed to it. So I'm, I'm here.
0: Yeah, this is not something to check off a list. This is something to put right. into practice. For as long as, as we are in this world together.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And and the the thing we didn't say earlier that I will I will add is that um when we were thinking about the different other models of mentoring, um a lot of them um like there's holistic mentoring, there's also critical mentoring, there's um like the traditional ways, there's other mm-hmm. names that people have done with mentoring. I think one of the things that makes this one unique is that it pushes institutional change. Yeah. Um, it requires you to really think about um what you've what what processes you have in place that may not be equitable, that may mm. be of hindrance to students or what have you. And so you can't just again, you see it. You got to do something about
2: it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the
1: holistic critical mentoring requires it. That's that critical part where we're looking at the systems that are continuing the inequity, the inequitable aspects of whatever. Um, And so this is beyond just even mentoring in labs and stuff. I do a lot Mm -hmm. of work, you know, with research mentors, whatever. Like I shared, I've used this model for for supervising. Um, I encourage folks to use it um when when they are um, um, working with others and in, and in, uh, inter inter um, office
0: yeah. uh,
1: work that is happening on campuses mm-hmm. as well.
0: you know, I want to add to that because sometimes, especially my listeners, since a lot of them are students, they might be thinking, well, I'm not the one who can make change and whatnot. But, you know, change occurs at every level change occurs, you know, at the cultural level, it occurs at the policy level. And yeah, maybe you won't arrive at a point where there might be policy change on your campus. But even if there is policy change, if you don't change the culture of the campus, this is not going to happen. So every single one of us and what we do matters. It causes a ripple effect. So I just want to echo everything that you said, because I am 100%. I feel like I'm I'm on that same, uh, what is that, like, wavelength.
1: Wavelength, yeah. And and you know what? The other thing, too, the reason why I push this as well um, is I am sickened. That I still have a job.
2: Mm.
1: What do I mean? McNair has been around for 31 years at UMBC, and is still needed. That's mm-hmm. sickening.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: And we've had over 300 McNair scholars, 400 come through our program, and still our scholars are going to institutions where they are the only in their department that sickens me, right? Right. And so when students and folks say, well, I don't have the power to change, at some point you will. And those 300 folks have gone through the institution where they're now sitting in spaces, but they have not been given the space, nor they might even be tired. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not gonna blame them for not making the change, right? Cause I get it, right? At some Mm -hmm. point you're over it, right? Um, Because you've had to do so much to get there. But if we don't recognize that these programs are essential, but also it's said that we have to have them, right? That should make us think about, and what I make my students think about, honestly, is that one day you will be in that seat Mm -hmm. of, quote unquote, power, right? You will be the chair of that department. You will be the provost. You will be the president. So what are you going to do, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? Are you continuing to uh, perpetuate, this white supremacist culture that shows up in different ways? Or are you willing to make the change because you've been there? You know what yeah. it's like, you know, what's necessary, right? Um, um, or are you just going to just go with the flow? Cause that's what your donors need you to do. This is how you keep your job. This is how you keep the people happy. Right. And so at some point folks got to rise to make a change. Yes. And it's you all. And I'm speaking to uh, to you all, right? I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking mm-hmm. to y'all who's listening.
2: Yeah.
1: It's gonna be up to you all to be able to say, no, nah, we're we done with this. What how how do I do this mentoring? We're gonna do it this way. This is the mm-hmm. way we're gonna do it. Right. And until you start demanding that it's done differently. And then also when it when you get into those spaces, ensuring that it's done differently, right? Then we won't this change it be it'll be for naught. Mm-hmm. right so you are required you have a responsibility right you you can't just sit on the sideline and just wait for it to happen no you have to take it on begin that's why i say how are you mentoring now how are yeah. you implementing this in your own mentoring relationship and i guarantee you if you're starting to do it people will see it and they'll be like oh wow y'all like mcnair my, my umbc mcnair program has become a a world where now like people look at us <laughs> Right. And I'll be honest, it's because of this model. Mm-hmm. They see what we do. They see how we engage. They say, oh, y'all do it different here. Yeah. Your students are engaged differently here. Right. Like our conference that we have in a few weeks, our scholars are leading it. They're creating the conference. I'm sitting back. I'm, yeah, I deal with the day to day operations of it, but they're the ones who are who will be uh, front and center. And they love it mm-hmm. because, again, we've built this kind of communal relationship. Um, um, that, that shows them that they matter, mm-hmm. that they are loved, and that they too have a responsibility to share that even beyond our space and our community.
0: That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for giving us a sermon, really.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I've, I mean, I've done that
0: before. <laughs> no, you're still doing it. you're <laughs> still doing it. Still doing it. <laughs> It's been such a pleasure. (laughs) Oh, such an honor to share space with you. This is beautiful. Thank Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtouring Podcast. If you like what you heard, here are four ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The second way is to get your copy of my free Grad School femtoring resource kit, which includes essential information to prepare for and navigate grad school. You can access it at the link in today's show notes. The third way to support my show is to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram with the handle at gradschoolfemtouring and on LinkedIn by searching my name the last way to show your love is to sign up to work with me via my grad school femtoring academy, my group coaching program for first gen BIPOCs seeking to work on their personal growth and gain sustainable productivity skills. You can learn more at gradschoolfemtoring.com slash academy. Thanks again for listening and until next time.